Welcome to the Casual Fridays REI podcast, where you'll learn about the wildly profitable niche of land investing. Active land investors Adam Southey and Justin Sleva are here to share their experiences with you so that you can learn how to build massive cash flow and huge profits from this highly lucrative niche. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Adam Southey and Justin Sleva. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Adam Southey here with my co-host, Justin Sleva, and this is the Casual Fridays REI podcast today. We're talking about measuring success in your land business. Before we do that, though, let's talk about Price.com. Guys, Price is a powerful online web application that simplifies the acquisition process for real estate direct mail marketing campaigns. Price provides research tools and enables you to identify locations to mail, price your data, analyze over 1 million comps, pull owner records, and scrub your data to produce a ready-to-mail campaign list. Head on over to Price.com forward slash Casual Fridays REI to start your seven-day free trial and get discounted prices today. That is P-R-Y-C-D.com forward slash Casual Fridays REI. Happy Friday, sir. Hey, happy Friday. I'm glad you did the price commercial today. It's uh, sent a little uproar in the online communities of land investing about a little email they sent out this week. Yeah, yeah, the price is going up a little bit. Yeah, it looks like a little bit of an increase. Since we have always had the lowest price on it, we will continue to have the lowest price on it. But I think it's important to people to think about that what the, that it, that you sit there and you get on the internet and you go, oh my God, I'm going to go to Data Tree or I'm going to go to this or that. The, the idea behind it, I don't think some people think through before they type or they, they, get, they get emotional and they, get, they see a price increase and don't understand what that actually comes with or if there's a difference in that. And we haven't talked to Max or Ryan about this because we've been with Max or Ryan since the beginning and I still stand behind the product and what they're doing. But the thing that for me that's always been cool about price is it's data tree data. They, they've never hidden that. But to get into a data tree account... It's the minimums you have to spend monthly to get the same price to go. So get the new 10 cent rate. If that's what your rate was, if you're a casual Fridays, you're a penny lower. So to get nine cent a record rate, you're spending somewhere between, you have to guarantee to spend a 60 and $70 a month, 75, somewhere in that range with their plans in place at data tree at data tree. Yes. But you don't get the pricing tools. You don't get the extra research or that point of contact for the price of the $20 it costs you to have or 15, 20 bucks. I can't remember what the price is now, but it's like 20 bucks. I think a month to have that piece there with you. So I, we were talking about this and you, you're like, how many people actually pull data every month? And I'm curious how many, how, how many people are actually going to look at the net net cost for their business over the course of a year. So I would challenge you before you get too much of an uproar, think about a, your research, the value there. What does that add? Is it worth 20 bucks to have somebody have all those comps available for you to do it and have it dropped in and to get the same priced mail? Or, and, and did you do over the last year? What did you average a month? And did you averagely pull that out a month? And what's it going to cost you at the end of the year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was kind of surprised too. I mean, I don't want this whole podcast to be about this, but uh, there was an uproar. And I thought some people were like, didn't really know what they were talking about when they said yeah. it. So I just thought, you know, we should, we should, we should back uh, priced up a little bit because yeah. we, we like those guys and it's good, yeah. good product. It's not because I like them. I it just, just the product standalone on its own. If you tell me I can pull from seven different places to get comps in a matter of seconds and i or peyton is when she's doing pricing i think that's worth 20 bucks a month for me just as it sits as alone until whether i buy data from them or not um i have a data tree account too i have a minimum 200 a month i have to spend there i use both both softwares my business runs better because i have priced and i have data tree i get my data tree data at five cents a record i buy that up until my 200 worth and then I move over to price and get my price price. Mm. But I always use the research. It's worth the 20 bucks for me. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. But, you know, that that kind of falls into today's topic. Measurement of success in your business. 
Um, this was another question we saw while we were seeing that uproar there on social media in the KPIs. And I kind of made a snarky remark and said, profit. <laughs> I take the cost of what I spent and what I brought in. And the difference there is what my KPI for success in my business is. And I know that's not what he meant. I think he was looking for more corporate answer. But for me, at the end of the day, successful business is a prop- profitable business. Now, there are certain measurements inside of my business that we need to hit targets that we hit but that doesn't determine whether i'm successful or not that just determines we're doing the little shit that needs to be done mm-hmm. yeah it's such a broad answer yeah. and i think uh when you immediately brought the topic up i was like oh okay that's some good stuff and then you said kpis and i was like oh that's uh that's a corporate that's a it's a very uh yeah corporate yeah. and i was like yeah. okay well what do we go from there yeah. because like uh that horn just threw me off um did you hear that? Yeah. Was oh. It was phone. Oh, she's getting ready for her cruise. Oh, gotcha. So he's got her cruise on there setting her alarm. She's like probably 72 hours to my cruise. Peyton getting her first vacation at a big, big girl job. Uh, all right. So the measure of success can be light years different for each individual person. Agreed. Right. And so that's where I initially thought with that because you said profit mm-hmm. and profit can be a thousand dollars and someone can be super happy with that. Yeah. Right. And some other people may be like, well, I need $30,000 a month in profit or yeah. 500000 a year in profit for them to feel successful. Yeah. Right. So it's not like a one, whatever, one, one size, one size fits all. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. And I, so, I, and I worked back when I saw this, I started working back to uh, businesses that I had in the past and I started thinking about, okay, different businesses we launched, were they successful or not? And so I go back to South Platte when we started an FBA business. This was 2013, 14, somewhere in that mm-hmm, era, 15-ish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At that time, uh, you know, some of the little wins that we had, you know, if we made 8% on a product, we were stoked after all fields paid. And that we were like, okay, the business is successful. With successful, we had W-2s. Successful, and it paid for our lunch and to, us to talk shit to each other and say, oh, yeah, we're business moguls. You know, we got these FBA business. So it was successful in that way. Could it have supported our lifestyles? No. No way. But it was a start in the right direction. We learned we learned a little bit there. You learned about branding. You learned about um, arbitrage. You learned about researching things. Now, is that the same as land? No, but let's follow, follow suit there. That that business opened up ways when I moved into the supplement. And I'm going to speak for me here, so I'll move into my side. But we moved into the supplement company. That business, when I got to it, was $50,000 in a hole. When we went on from there, it ended up breaking even plus making a, a couple bucks here and there. But what it did was open up doors for understanding the marketing aspect of online stuff. Like, I can look at a lot of influencers' pages and tell you whether they're fake or not. Like, they're, they're following, their reach. You know, I got a guy that I met at a show, he's got 300 plus thousand followers on Instagram. And then I look at his likes on his post and there's 82 likes. His page ain't real. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's been buying followers to fill better mm-hmm. posts up. That does nothing for you on conversion. You know, you look at our Instagram page, I think right now it's somewhere around 1500 people follow us. The conversion of the people that follow us because of the podcast and the other funnels makes sense and it, and it drives our revenue. And our revenue doesn't match what you would think for somebody with 1500 followers. Our revenue is far beyond that just because of the way our funnel is and the way we, we drive traffic to us. The That business on its own would not support me. Was it successful? It was successful in the fact that it taught some knowledge of how to do branding. I mean, we had two custom that we owned um, oh, formulas of pre-workouts. We had Best of Protein in 2016 through a magazine. All that is cool sounding and it sounds like success, but at the end of the day, the business barely broke even. It broke even enough to pay for the lawsuit 
when we got sued, we won. And then they came back and did a counter and offered to buy us out, which we were able to close down shop, keep some stuff, and we just shut it down. It took that money and bought the apartment complex, which then turned into Plum, which turned into now we're looking at pasture holdings and having the fun going live. So it's you, when we say when I say success is a profit, I say that snarkily, but there are stepping stones to continue to growth. And that success is grown from that. Mm-hmm. It's funny you bring up South uh, Platte because I remember <clears throat> when I first launched it and it was the lunch boxes. Yeah. Right. And then uh, I'm at work and just do my thing and I log in and I see like. I don't remember a thousand dollars on sales yeah. lunchboxes. Like holy crap, we saw a thousand dollars worth of lunchboxes. Like that was that feeling of success, right? Uh-huh. Was like so big and so awesome. You know, if someone would have been like, "Wow, a thousand dollars lunchbox. How much profit was that?" I'd probably go, "I don't know, five dollars." Yeah, <laughs> it was probably it, more. It but, was. Yeah. I think we were at about a th- at probably thirty bucks yeah, or yeah, three. Yeah. No, it's no, more. It's about three hundred, yeah, four hundred yeah, bucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it didn't matter, right? Because that to me, that at that moment, that success was that. Okay, we came up with the concept. Mm-hmm. Um, you worked with the uh, Chinese or you know, the Alibaba. Alibaba suppliers. Yeah. We got it shipped over here logistics-wise. We got photos and got this thing live on Amazon, and then, boom, it sold. And that's yeah. like, oh, my God, you know? Yeah. All right. And then moving on to land, like, you know, in my experience, the first one was a two-and-a-half-acre parcel with 250 bucks. You sell that thing for 1000 and yeah. you go, what? what? Life's different. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. You know? And then uh, that feeling of success right now would have been like, I mean, I would have just been like, yeah, okay, yeah. whatever, you know. Would you even but, have done the deal? That and that's and for me, I, 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 think about would I do that deal today? That two fifty and sell for a thousand, and I feel mad at myself for saying no. Well, was, would you wouldn't go out and actively shop. look for it, yeah. right? But if you just had one, you had someone paid it off and then defaulted and sitting around, and you're like, I don't know anything for this, and someone wants to buy it for a thousand, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Why not? I, could, I, I could see that, but I wouldn't be as excited as you were on the first day. Cause oh, I, yeah. I remember when your first set of mailers going out and you, you're getting five acres back for 500 bucks. I'm like, I would buy every five acre for $500 if I could. And that excitement. And, and, and so is that inherently success? Is that, is that a feeling of success or is it true success? Is there a difference in that? And I, I don't know that answer. I'm, I'm asking here. I don't know. It's not, I tend to ask rhetorical questions, but I'm asking you, is there a difference between true success and just that feeling of, you know, conquering that little thing, is that success in itself? I think it depends on the person. Okay. Right? I mean, like, my success is going to be different from yours and Peyton's and what I feel success, right? Yeah. And at that point, if, I mean, I could never live on this, but if I bought something for 250 and sold it for 1000 mm-hmm. somebody, like, uh, I see some of these people getting their kids involved, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it was your nephew did, like, a yeah. bunch of coastal properties. Like, he did a ton of coastal properties. For him, he's a baller. He was 12 and had a <laughs> roll of, like, probably 20000 cash just because he was flipping coastal properties. Yeah, so, so I mean, he's walking around like money's raining, you yeah. know? And so, like, that's a very, that, that if money's your um, measurement. measurement, then, well, I mean, that is a big success right there. And yeah. so, um, those numbers change. Right. And I wouldn't, I couldn't do those. I couldn't do 12 or those, you know, a year and pay the bills, but yeah. someone can. Yeah. Or it adds to what they already have going. And that's, I think, a, a super important thing. And so we have been pretty, I don't say lax. We, we, we are transparent in our business and what goes on. We haven't been transparent in the numbers because I, I've always taken the mindset is I don't want somebody to judge their success against my success, especially if I'm seven years ahead of you starting this or, I have resources that you don't have. And I, um, Adam Harrison, he's, he's come to a couple of the live events. He's out of California. He's posted on his, on his Facebook page at times where he goes, you know, it's easy sometimes for somebody that has more money to get going and get, be successful with this, especially versus starting with zero. 
And when we started with this, we took the mindset of starting with zero, but we're able to get lucky on a few deals up front that made bigger cash, that was a cash, bigger cash profits, and then able to buy ourselves out of some of the um, the troubles that ran into, whether it needed a quiet title, or you had to open up an easement, or there's back taxes you didn't know, or something that came out and we were able to pivot and get through that to get us there. And, you know, it's, uh, I look back and I think about the different businesses that we've, I've launched I, for me, and I'll, and I'll say for me in this, and, you know, you being a partner in one of them and having other partners and watching them grow from Land Mule to, to Plum to Casual Fridays to the Masterclass, now going into the Pasture Holdings in over seven years and continually to trying to put that successful recipe together, layering on what we've learned through, for, for me, when I've learned through Land Mule and Plum and, and those deals and continuing that and how do I scale it, make it bigger and faster and use cheaper money or faster money or not my money, but get a wider range and continue that funnel to drive into the end of the deal. At the end of the day, buying a property for less than it's worth and selling it for a profit, because that to me is what success is driven by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you mentioned uh, all that going from like <clears throat> starting low and building up high, right? Mm-hmm. That in itself is a huge measure measure of success, yeah. in my opinion, right? It's like when we look back today mm-hmm. from where we started, yeah. right? That, I mean, there's some growth there. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. That, and that is success, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I was thinking about this weekend. We put a $900,000 offer in on a property in uh, early Texas, and it was just like we, we were talking when we were running through the underwriter and what it does. And this is going to sound, again, it's one of those things where I, I almost hate that I've gotten to this point because it doesn't sound humble in a way, but it didn't matter whether I offered 860 or 915, 860,000 or 915,000. That's $55,000 difference. That's real money, but it changed my return of the underwriter a couple percent here and there. And so it's like, yeah, let's just offer this and they'll take it and we'll go with that. And we ended up think putting it under contract at like 870. Um, and it's like, Okay, cool. Let's just move on to the next now. Now, now what's the next step in that? I got to get the due diligence on the water, get on that. But last week, I put an offer in for $6.1 million on a street, like buying a whole block of 28 homes, and then also a $350,000 quadplex that came off a wholesaler. And so thinking about Brewster County, my first mailer, 2017, where I was freaked out that I sent out 2,600 pieces of mail and it was going to be... You know, if what if somebody says, what if all these people say yes, and we spend fifty grand, we bought I think twenty five or fifty grand worth of property, and we ended up making like seventy grand out of the deal. You know that fear to now, where you're just like, huh? In one week, you make close to eight million dollars in real offers that you're you're signing on contracts and sending in, versus saying, oh, I made, I saw somebody on 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 Facebook that said, oh yeah, we made fifty six million dollars in <laughs> yeah. offers this week. 560 yeah, of 560 million. Well, we do that in every fucking mailer. Yeah. That's it. So, but I'm talking like real, you talk to the agent or you talk to the buyer and you're like, Hey, here's the offer. It's signed, ready to go. You sign, we're doing it. And I'm on the hook for that now. And that in a week versus what it was before. And so you say that's success and your growth to that, but that doesn't happen unless you're able to complete the deal cycle of buying for less and selling for more and growing that ball that you have to work with, whether it's down payments or credit worthiness or network or whatever. And a KPI that says, Justin sent out 10,000 pieces of mail a month does not mean my business was successful. I have to have to make it through that process. And I think that's the thing we miss is we're used to our boss in corporate America telling us, hey, you've got to do this, this, and this. You know, your, I need your performance review or whatever they did in office space, whatever he's talking about. It it doesn't really matter if I, I looked and comped 10 properties today and I made my phone calls back in 24 hours. 
what matters is can you grow your business from that point and and what did you learn from it mm-hmm. but I, I i caution those that say success is driven off the number of touches i made in a day or the number of this or number of that no it's not your success is going to be the knowledge of growth but being able to get through the cycle buying for less and selling for more in my opinion I, and i could be totally wrong but that's what i'm going to call it no i'd agree with you yeah yeah you made me think of um this job i had years and years ago at uh that school, the um, Le Cordon Bleu. Okay, yeah. Missions rep. Um, we had to make a hundred phone calls a day. Okay, right? and I was in the always in the like top three reps there, and I could do it on sell making like fifteen calls a day. Okay, right. But I always got in trouble because like you didn't make your hundred calls today. But you're the, <laughs> you're one of the top reps. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I got pulled into the my boss's office and talked uh-huh. to about it. Right. And that's when I knew like the, that was the very last time I was ever like, I can never have a job again. Right. Yeah. Like, like I just can't do this because <laughs> um, I was, and I even told him like, yeah, I only made 15 calls, but I set more appointments than anybody today. And when they come into the office, I'll close them because that's it's, well, my track record has proven that I can do. Yeah. But no, it didn't matter. You didn't yeah. make your hundred calls. So I just started picking up the phone. I'd call my cell phone. I'd call my mom. <laughs> I'd call, <laughs> I'd call oh, everybody. No. So, and that's, and that's where I think we get is people, allow a KPI to determine whether they're successful or not, but it doesn't, it, it may move you to the right direction, but they're worried about the wrong thing. That's a productivity check. That is something to say, whether you're being product, uh, pr- productive and that pro- that productivity doesn't determine success if you're doing the wrong shit. Mm-hmm. Like I, and I back in corporate America for me at the railroad, they would, they would say that you weren't testing properly if you didn't have enough failures. We didn't, I don't want to say that like publicly, but it was a coaching rate. They they know that you're going to have so much coaching rate, and the higher the coaching rate, the better you're doing as a manager. Well, no, <laughs> the better I'm doing as a manager is having employees that don't get in trouble or that don't derail stuff or don't get hurt. So I would have places that would go two and three years with no derailments and no injuries, and I would have one of the lowest coaching rates. Well, coaching doesn't take place by documenting everything. I walk up and I see you getting off a, a locomotive wrong, and I say, hey, Adam, hey, man, remember two hands. Remember we go pop, 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 and get off. And we had a coaching interaction. I just didn't document it. You do it, you don't get hurt, and nobody else does it because they understand, hey, there's Justin. He's going to do my two-two pop-pop dance thing, and that happens. But we get so hung up on these little KPIs of actually, this is what's going to make me successful. No, that's going to make sure you're, product- you're, you're productive and doing some of the right things. That doesn't necessarily guarantee your success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, a long, long way to say, like, you know, a, don't measure yourself against everyone else. Yeah. And B, it's like, is if you're profitable and your bills are paid, like, that yeah. should be a level of success that you should be happy with. Yeah, I agreed. Agreed. I think that if I told Peyton we're going to be successful just because you mailed 700 or 7,500 to 10,000 pieces of mail a month, it would be a fallacy because there's more to that than that. If if that was the only thing that drove sick. Now, that drives leads to us. Now, she's got to be able to close those leads. Mm-hmm. So, whether you send the mail or not, you don't follow up. You don't do that. So, there's different things to keep you productive. Uh, productive and moving in the right direction but at the end of the day we have to buy for less sell for more and then cover all our costs and still get paid to be successful in this cool awesome man that was a good one today yeah i feel like it went deep yeah okay it felt good you sure i'm sure yeah you got a look on your face like no 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 no, no. felt good all right uh well that's it then um as always do us a favor go to apple podcast go to spotify go to instagram facebook youtube leave us a like follow review subscribe all that And um, we love you for it. We'll see you next Friday. See you guys.